Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to this bonus episode of the Hired Geek Podcast, episode number 150 with Sujoy Roy of Visit Days. Uh, really appreciate uh, the passion that uh, Sujoy brought to this conversation. Uh, he's been doing this work for several years. Uh, it's really important work, and uh, it was really great to cover it with him and just really uplift what he and his team are able to do to uh, help prospective students be more informed, to make better decisions about uh, where they go to college, and uh, just kind of help create better access uh, so that students are uh, able to go to good programs at a good price and uh, all that good stuff. This is a great conversation. Really appreciate Sujoy's time. Uh, and after this brief message from our sponsor, this is bonus episode number 150 with Sujoy Roy. This episode is brought to you by Kitcaster. Kitcaster books you on top podcasts. How do funded startup founders attract prospects and talent? Podcast interviews. How do entrepreneurs with exits find new deals? Podcast interviews. How do C-suite execs differentiate in crowded markets? Podcast interviews. Kitcaster books you on top podcasts. Click the link in the show notes for a special offer. Celebrate good conversation. So today we are continuing our exploration of the very important part of the higher education journey for any student is uh, being that prospective student, determining where they uh, would like to uh, study. And uh, yeah, I mean, a lot goes into that decision. It's a big decision. And there's a lot of great folks and organizations out there uh, helping students get connected to institutions to learn more about them and uh, make better informed decisions so that uh, you know they can be more successful. And uh, yeah, so I'm excited to continue to explore that, uh, that subject. And um, we'll start out as we always do uh, with our guest uh, giving an introduction of themselves and a brief overview of their professional background and how they got to be where they are today. Thank you so much, Dustin. Thanks for uh... Thanks for having me on here. Uh, my name is Sujoy Roy. I'm the CEO of Visit Days. I have been running Visit Days for over nine years now. Um, I started Visit Days really um, almost, actually nine years exactly, where I was sitting on a dinner table with my family. Both of my parents uh, are professors, and they told me a problem that they were facing at their institution uh, as it related to engaging more students. Um and it started off as a dinner conversation, uh, like many ideas do. And I have, was working on in a consulting firm uh, right before that, uh, quit my job and uh, got started on my journey as an entrepreneur. Yeah, I guess that's interesting. It's just sort of like, I guess, maybe something that you weren't acutely aware of yourself to begin with. And yeah, just kind of having this, you know, dinner conversation, like you said. So I guess, yeah, like maybe start with that like origin story too of just like, you know, you're starting visit days and uh, sort of embarking on this journey initially. Like, what was that like? Like, did you have to do kind of like a lot of like uh, information gathering and just, you know, how, how did that go to get it started? Because obviously now you've been doing it for, for many years. So, you know, it all worked out. But I'm curious, kind of those early days. Yeah, it's such a, I mean, to be totally honest, when I look back at it, it's kind of blows my mind that. Uh, I did what I did because I had zero higher ed experience. I mean, besides just being a college student was probably the extent of my higher ed experience. Uh, and, you know, so I, I really came into it with pretty much, you know, completely really a lack of knowledge on how the business and how colleges and universities were really going around in recruiting students because to me, it just it didn't feel like there was – I had no idea. It felt like a black box as a, as a student and as a parent. And I feel a lot of parents and students feel that way. 
Uh, but it really isn't that much of a black box, which I soon discovered over the course of the last few years as I've been, you know, really uh, knee deep in this industry. Um, but to give you an idea of the background and sort of the origin story, um, my father is a professor at a university and uh, he was telling me a story about an open house uh, that he was asked to be a speaker at, uh, a keynote speaker. And this is, you know, close to almost now a decade ago. Um, mm-hmm. And when he was asked to be a speaker of it, they asked him, you know, he had asked the, the, the team uh, on his side to give him some analytics on the people that were coming, uh, you know, that, sort of breakdown of sort of interests and things like that. So he could have a really great uh, presentation and and a great speech. This is for their admitted student day. What he, he didn't get much data. He didn't get much analytics. And what he realized is that when he got to the, the actual event uh, and he was giving that speech that a lot of students and parents were very uh, disengaged in their phones and all sorts of different things. And so he did a raw poll, like right in the middle of the presentation. He's like, all right, everyone stop what you're doing. Raise your hand if you're interested in the School of Business. And he asked that question because he was in the School of Business. He was a professor in the School of Business. And barely anybody raised their hand. Um, this institution was really, really well known for criminal justice and a few other programs. And overwhelmingly, the students that came to this Admitted Student Day event were interested in the programs that this university was known for. And so my father sort of was scratching his head and saying, why, why was I the speaker? You know, this is such an important event for our institution. Um, shouldn't there be a better alignment with how the programming is done? And what that basically made me think was, you know, how are events, how are engagements happening uh, at the time on campus? Uh, and what I did is I literally, no joke, I took uh, two weeks off of work and I got into, at the time I was driving, you know, a pretty uh, uh, old school Honda Accord. Uh, and I literally just started driving down, up and down the East Coast uh, and tried to, just started going into universities, uh, events, sessions, just like a prospective student uh, would. And I really found out, you know, 10 years ago that just that engagement, that that understanding of who I was, why I was there was kind of lacking across the industry. It wasn't just at my father's institution. And I realized that, hey, you know, if I could solve this problem, it would be a better experience for students and parents. Uh, And institutions ideally would be able to better speak to the audience that they now have a better knowledge of who they are and and a lot more information and make the entire process a lot easier. Uh, And that was kind of the the, the beginning origin story of how we said, hey, this is a big enough enough problem to solve. Uh, Let's go solve it. Yeah, that's a uh, a great origin story. I'd love to hear it and appreciate you sharing it. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, I think like my anecdotal take, of, I mean, just going through my own like master's program, kind of studying the history of higher ed and just, you know, not being in it myself for several years is like over the past like couple of decades, like, you know, you've seen this big shift where I think like for a long, long time, like it was like gauche for any university, to, like really market themselves or like, you know, you know, do all these things you're talking about to really know uh, the students who are interested and why they're interested and, you know, all these sort of things. And then, um, yeah, really only like, you know, recent, uh, I'd say maybe like in my lifetime have, you know, really uh, universities invested in this, but there's still, I mean, there's just so much, you know, new stuff out there and things are always changing and there's a lot to keep up with. So it's, you know, uh, just important in that regard and that it's just going to be that much more competitive uh, in the near future. 
for the uh, sort of demographic cliff and those sort of things, these existential crises of, uh, you know, how a lot of institutions have sort of set themselves up to, you know, bring in uh, the quote unquote kind of traditional students and everything. They're going to need to shift a lot of their strategy for sort of all of the above. But um, so I guess just to make sure that we, we kind of take a moment to, uh, before we move on, kind of talk more about this space, can you explain exactly what Visit Days does for institutions? Yeah, absolutely. So Visit Days is a technology platform and it has really two purposes uh, for institutions. The first purpose is Visit Days historically and what we've always been known for and what we've done for over nine years now has uh, helped institutions manage and execute incredible experiences on and off campus and online. So if a university, let's say a client of ours like Northeastern University uh, or Temple, they will host their open houses their admitted student days, all the things that I said, you know, were the, the core origin story, uh, you know, we solve that problem. We want universities to have a cleaner, easier process for students and parents to sign up for these experiences, uh, to get communications uh, in a timely manner, to be able to check in and then collect surveys at the end. So we are a full end-to-end solution for campus visits, uh, any kind of event planning uh, for higher ed administrators that are recruiting students. So that's the first and foremost sort of backbone of our technology. Uh, over the last two years, we have now also what we have started, what I'm really excited for for Visit Days in its next chapter is that we are an engagement layer uh, at a much top of the funnel for higher ed. So let's say that Visit Days' focus is, has always been, how do we get more students to show up on campus? How do we get more students to you know, engage on campus? Because we know that that can lead to enrollment at much higher levels. But now we're trying to say, how do we source students at the top of the funnel that are highly engaged and can basically be net new uh, you know, prospects for our clients? And to that end, Visit Days has released in the last year, actually, this year is the, the, the inaugural year that we've officially released our Visit Days college access programs. And so what we're doing today is that we're taking the same core technology of Visit Days and we're basically giving it to college uh, high, sorry, high school districts, uh, so K-12 through districts, to essentially use so that they can create a marketplace of universities that can engage with their prospective students. So our technology has been now evolved so districts can use it Students arrive on our platform and they're able to really see a, a number of universities that want to recruit them directly and engage with them virtually and in person. Uh, but on the virtual sphere, we're basically a full platform. Students can book meetings directly with college reps. They can watch presentations. They can chat. They can uh, you know, watch uh, synchronous and asynchronous video uh, and a full engagement so that they have a full understanding of everything uh, that the institution is all about. And the idea really is, is to empower districts to now have a platform, uh, and it's completely free of charge to the districts. Uh, so we want to sort of open up college access using our platform so students can get a better idea of many colleges and really engage with many of them in a human-to-human way. Uh, and universities can now start you know, lo- using Visit Days as a layer to generate better prospects, more engaged prospects, and really expand their reach across the country and around the world. Yeah, that's great to hear. I mean, yeah, just augmenting uh, the college counselors at high schools is, I think, such a valuable uh, sort of investment. And because I, I would 
think that like yeah they've maybe like just not been you know as well served as they could or should have been just you know they might source their own information or just kind of have just limited uh knowledge and exposure to like only some some of the local institutions and that sort of thing but yeah just great to hear that there's a focus on that end uh like i said top of the funnel as well as you know somebody who has already been admitted to that institution where they might be far closer to making kind of their final uh decision and all that that you know all along that there needs to be that nurturing and i know um definitely like a, a big trend line with all of this and like kind of the heightened competition for new students is that you know the cost of acquisition of students just is such a uh you know, high burden for a lot of institutions, any way that they can work different levers, you know, kind of, uh, you know, get, get other stuff flowing is, uh, certainly highly valuable, but, um, and yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, you, you started, uh, many years ago, kind of, uh, you know, kind of having in-person and, uh, virtual, uh, experiences. So, you know, kind of a leading question, uh, I'm sure, you know, uh, pretty clear what maybe has changed over the last two years for you all. But if you just want to get into the context, because I'm sure, you know, the idea that you kind of had to focus solely on one part of your work, you know, uh, definitely changed things for you. So I'm curious, just any any anecdotes, I guess, from uh, the past two years for you all? Yeah, so we, we have probably one of the most exhaustive analytics on all in-person events across higher education. Um, and so obviously over the last two years, uh, the world shifted dramatically for everyone, but it shifted for us because we were supporting a lot of universities in-person experiences that quickly had to shift to virtual. And, and this is what we found. What we found was that when it came to in-person experiences, you know, they were just way better than virtual uh, at the towards the end of the funnel. So we're talking about, you know, when a student is already made that commitment to, you know, go uh, visit campus because they have been they're thinking about applying or they have already been admitted as you alluded to before that in person experience is far better just because it's it's just more human right uh, it's more expensive for most families to go do that if unless it's a local university so there's a big cost to it uh, but uh, if the family is willing to make that cost and and sort of and and go to campus. Uh, their understanding of the campus is obviously better, but really the university benefits the most because those conversions are really, really good. Uh, however, at the top of the funnel, it's far less impactful. And, and what I mean by that is that when we analyze data of students that were visiting, like, you know, their visit was their first source of uh, contact with the university, there is much more of an argument to be made that the virtual components at the top of the funnel, this is pre-application. This is getting students to want to get excited about applying. Um, we found that virtual actually just was better because there was just a better volume. Uh, you can you can basically deal with a lot more students uh, if you do it right. Uh, and, the vo and, and at the top of the funnel, it was volume slash interest that converted into application. That's really a, a totally different funnel. And in-person was just a very high barrier you know, cost a barrier for most parents and students to, you know, go visit a campus to then decide whether they want to apply or not. Uh, that's just a much higher cost, you know, of just for, for a family to just sort of deal with not just money mm -hmm. for gas and all that, but just time. And so that was the big insight that we had over the last two years that we realized is that when parents and students are shopping around for colleges, when they're maybe like eighth grade, ninth grade, maybe right before junior year, they're still thinking about which colleges that they even want to look at before they even decide which colleges they want to apply. Their 
propensity to meet with someone virtually, uh, to talk to people. Again, it, it does need to be human. It can't be just all the time, just with pre-recorded videos. Uh, it does have to have high levels of engagement, but their ability to do shopping virtually online uh, is far greater. And institutions that understand that delineation between how do we get highly engaged top of the funnel prospects in a much more cost efficient way will know that if you look at the virtual data and, and Visitees has looked at it across almost 1700 universities, uh, the number of students and parents that are able to check out at least six or seven uh, colleges virtually. And I mean, when I check out, like they're engaging with the reps, they're talking to the reps, they're visiting, you know, they're watching the presentations. That's just a way higher number than the number of parents and students that decide to visit campuses before applications. So it's just a basic, you know, shift, not just a shift in thinking, but what we have seen is that those are the two types of engagements. You definitely want parents and students to show up on campus, but really later at the stage of the of the funnel. At the top of the funnel, you want that engagement layer. And Visit Days knows, you know, that this is a shopping, it's really a marketplace. So we're sort of focused on allowing our marketplace of 1700 plus universities to be available to the districts and high schools that want to directly connect their kids to these institutions reps, alleviating the burden that the college counselor at the high school faces in trying to do that connection. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those are some really smart insights because I think, um, I would think like sometimes like it would be, you know, say you do like a, a campus tour, you know, you've got like a group of however many students and you might ask them to do like some sort of eval. Even then, like you're, you're getting some data, but you can't like splice it, you know, to know like, oh, well, this person on the tour, like, I mean, they already paid their deposit. They just wanted to like see where they're going, you know, in the fall. But then this other person, like, yeah, it was like a far earlier stage of that shopping experience and like, you know, their levels of satisfaction, what they were looking at, you know, the experience and stuff like, you know, you might not be able to uh, delineate that because it's like, you know, sometimes you just do short surveys because you want to, you know, not kind of have someone be fatigued with the whole process. It's just like, please, please just give us like, you know, thumbs up, thumbs down or something, you know, and all that. But having, I think like a, a more sophisticated back end that's kind of taking any of that kind of guesswork out of like a, you know, person uh, kind of providing all of those uh, data points for you to splice it up and everything. Yeah. I mean, that's really awesome. Cause I think, yeah, like the, the, the type of engagement, the modality of it, what information is shared, you know, I, I've just seen, a lot of success when you're very intentional about all of those things of what you're offering, when, who's there and facilitating it, what they're talking about, all that for you know, all the, you know, those different phases of the funnel. And, you know, certainly a lot of institutions are going to be aiming probably for, you know, uh, fall starts and, you know, they're going to have their deadlines that they're going to need, need to hit. So then it's like, they kind of work backwards from there of saying like, okay, we're going to do this, you know, admitted student webinar, you know, this time have these people talk about these things and all that, and you just keep getting, I think, better at it, especially like what you're saying, like with, you know, the, the data points and everything to, um, see where it's like, oh, maybe it was a little too long or we didn't have as many people attend. Maybe the time of day or something's not great or maybe we get more options or something and all that stuff. But because, um, yeah, I mean, I wanted to You kind of already started hit on it. So we can kind of just sit here for a few more uh, moments of just, you know, why all of this is, you know, so important and everything. Because I think um, something I'm curious about, because I, I 
know that this is sometimes part of a strategy with these things. Uh, certainly, you know, faculty engagement being super important. There could be some like peer engagement. I don't know how that maybe works in because I think that that kind of engagement for prospective students is also really valuable, I guess, you know, just to have those those interactions with folks to kind of make it feel um, more welcoming. Yeah, I mean, I think this comes down to a larger mission we have here at Visit Days, which is that, look, higher ed for a long time, like you mentioned, didn't need to do marketing, right? It didn't need to do a lot of different things to engage with prospective students because of a whole host of different reasons, right? But the the primary effect of that was that it was very exclusionary, right? Everything, if you think about it, right, is about even rankings and all of these different things. The emphasis of how many kids were rejected is a, is a big piece of the value and the selectivity of that institution. Uh, but if you really peel the layer, what you really see is that it's not a completely meritocracy-based system, right? There are many other systems in Europe as well as in East Asia where some institutions just simply have you know a very meritocracy-based, just completely you know, black and white numbers based system to get in or get out of a college. Uh, but in the United States, you are basically having a system where uh, recruiters are sitting around a table and making a decision based on some numbers, some facts, right? Uh, but also multiple other uh, other factors that, you know, that create this weird illusion that admissions is a black box. Uh, but if you're in the system well long enough, you realize that it's confusing and it's not black and white, but what it is is that it's a huge piece of this is relationships. Uh, districts, high schools, private high schools that have direct relationships with the college recruiters on the other end of it give their kids a better chance at getting into those colleges. That's just a fact. Uh, and that's why when you see which colleges uh, are traveling to which high schools or which districts, it clearly gives you an idea that, hey, those where students are potentially funneling in uh, are, are clearly areas where students have historically funneled uh, funnel through or, uh, or whatnot. But when it comes to college access, which is really the area that we're now focused on and talking about student engagement, is that, so the way I sort of lay out college access is that, think about it this way. If you're a high school counselor, can call up the college recruiters from the colleges you're really interested in, um, you don't have a college access problem. And well, then you ask yourself, well, which students get that? Well, the students that are like going to Phillips Exeter, I can promise you that, you know, any college that gets a phone call from the guidance counselor at Phillips Exeter is going to show up at that high school uh, within minutes, uh, right? If they can. Uh, and the idea there is that there's a clear relationship between those two parties. Now, how that relationship forms and what that builds into has a whole other area of you know discussion. But those relationships and those ties exist. Now you think about college access and for all the high schools and districts where the college counselor at that high school or district does not have that kind of reach or that kind of relationship building, then those kids are immediately at a disadvantage. And so when it comes to engagement when it comes to making this a more inclusive environment what visit days hopes is and that's why we provide our technology for free to the districts is that we hope that we're able to plug in all the different colleges that exist where we already have close to 19,000 recruiters on the visit days platform from all the college side so we want to plug that force into each of the districts 
that kind of don't get you know get that kind of access that kind of that kind of uh, direct relationship um, and to us if we can open this up make this a much more inclusive less about rejection more about inclusion you're going to see more kids participate in the college process. I know everyone likes to talk about how there's a huge decline in 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 sort of demographics and and just people in general all of that. Those are all valid valid points, but you're also seeing historic rise in the you know the average family saying is college worth it. Um, and that's a you know from a financial piece that's definitely a, 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 a valid question for families to ask, but that's a very dangerous slippery slope as a society where higher education is no longer valued. Um, and so it, I think the, the onus falls on higher ed to take that step in going into districts and building relationships with students and families that they historically have not built close relationships with so that those families and those students feel like, you know, the ability to reach out to this college rep or to be the ability to get into this college is not that far away so that it feels more inclusive and hence makes it more accessible. It makes me think a lot about first-generation students having the support they need to understand you know, all of the complexities of uh, higher education. And then, you know, like you said, I mean, it's just more broadly, it helps people make college feel more kind of relevant and worthwhile, you know, like that kind of brings that value equation in. And, you know, because I think if, if, a student is thinking about college, but they only have a very limited purview of what that looks like, like the types of institutions and locations and programs available and all that kind of stuff, then you know, I feel like, well, why am I going to pay all this money to go to a, a place I don't like to study something I'm not interested in all that, you know, or like even, even the price itself, I could be like, well, this place is a far better value. Like it, you know, feels like a far better fit and has a program that I'm, I'm really excited about. And, you know, maybe they're, you know, uh, kind of having a better, you know, experience engaging with them and you know, get scholarships or whatever, you know, like they, they just might not even have known that that was like an option that was open to them before without, you know, the work like you're, you're kind of explaining there that's sort of helping to close these gaps, which like, yeah, I mean, at, at times are just gaping chasms, you know, insurmountable to a lot of students. Like they just don't even know what's on the other end. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's really I great. Actually, I would actually, you know, go out to say, and data proves this, it, first generation, absolutely. There's definitely a massive gap, right? For first generation students going to college, no doubt. But I would actually argue that this is actually happening at a much larger scale than we all understand or we, we, we appreciate. Uh, I think this is happening at almost any middle class to upper, always almost up to upper middle class families uh, in today's world where colleges you know, the relationship of their individual high schools with the right of right amount of colleges. And, uh, uh, and I would say so much so that majority of the districts and high schools, they simply are so under, you know, as we all have talked about, you know, what the ratio of a counselor to high school students is, but what is it, what does that do that also, you know, when you think about the, the college counselor's life in the high school, how many relationships could that individual college counselor really build with all these colleges, even if they wanted to? Uh, they they really can't. They don't have enough time in a day, right? So the idea of 
you know, the, the, the reason that some of the more prestigious, expensive private high schools do have all of those relationships is that they have the infrastructure built and the relationships and sort of the interest from the colleges, all of those checkboxes that allow their them to give their kids the best chance on getting into whichever college those kids want to get into um, because they're able to build those relationships. Uh, what I would argue is that the average high school in America, uh, the average high school counselor in America Besides their regional colleges, you know, the one or two to five regional colleges, they don't have that national reach. Uh, they just don't have enough time in a day. Um, and so that, I think, is it, it's, it's a much larger problem. Uh, I think it's definitely a problem for first-generation students, but I think it's a problem for every really average American in a, uh, across the country. That's a very good point. Yeah. I mean, there's just, yeah, so much of sort of an information uh, gap for, for everybody, especially first gen. But like, yeah, I mean, there there's, it's such a, like a unique experience. I think, like you said, it really is sort of like a, you know, people shopping around, but they don't do it like it, it they don't do it like anything else. Like it's, it's so emotional or it's just like a lot of assumptions made. And, you know, that, that applies to, you know, anyone and everyone. So um, I appreciate you uh, making that point. Um, so if you wanted to just, uh, as we're kind of wrapping up, uh, any like piece of advice that you would give uh, to hired professionals out there after kind of all that we've covered here, like what, what advice would you give? Yeah, I would say that I think, you know, pragmatically hired professionals need to take a look at their enrollment numbers, uh, you know, post pandemic to see what did the effect of not traveling do for their top of the funnel leads and the quality of leads in terms of conversion to application and enrollment? Uh, my sense is that, uh, you know, I was talking to one of our clients uh, in Florida and they had a record year, um, you know, the last two years and they spent literally zero dollars on travel. Um, and my, my suggestion would be for institutions take a look at how they're doing their travels, where their counselors are going, and putting an emphasis on having more of a presence uh, across the country you know, virtually, because they're just going to be able to reach more students. Um, because a lot of the time a college counselor spends on travel and going around the country, knocking on different high schools that they've already built relationships with, uh, is the amount of time that they're not able to go to new territories and new high schools and new locations where students are really looking for them. And so one of the big things that we're pushing for is to make sure college is highly more accessible to call uh, to students. Uh, but a big step in doing that is making sure that we are allowing colleges an easy, simple way to be in front of more students and be more accessible, to have those human conversations, to inspire the next generation to think about college uh, as, their, as their future. Um, and so, that's one of the things I would say is that just practically speaking, uh, a lot of the budget historically that was spent on travel, that was spent on you know in-person events for at the top of the funnel, should move you know more significantly to the virtual world so that we can reach more kids. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a good way to put it. Because uh, yeah, I mean, I, th I think there's always going to be a place for uh you know the the traveling and kind of road warriors out there you know uh building the face uh, face to face relationships and everything but i think uh yeah doing doing that a little bit smarter not just kind of having it on uh you know sort of autopilot but um well then uh, also kind of just looking ahead uh 
what are you looking forward to in this work? Obviously, like things are reopening, uh, and I'm sure there's just return of more uh, campus tours and uh, open houses and things like that. But um, just anything else is exciting to you about uh, the work that you're doing? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the biggest thing that's exciting me about the work that we're doing is that we are starting to see a, a paradigm shift in how parents and students are going to assess colleges, right? Um, I think that when I was going to college, and I'm, I'm, I'm just estimating, Dustin, this might have been similar for you, but when I was going to college, right, the idea of that this is, you know, this is a time for me to make the biggest decision of my life, and I will have all the resources in front of me to make that decision and make the best decision possible. I, I didn't know if I felt it uh, when I was going to college. You know, it was kind of a, a guessing game, and it was just kind of hoping for the best. Um, my hope is that with all of these div- different types of digital engagement, with all these touch points that we can increase and improve earlier in a student's journey, will make that student and that parent a better consumer of this, you know, of this experience. They will be, they will have more tools, more touch points with uh, human touch points that will make them make better decisions, right? Of going to the right college. So hopefully they graduate on time uh, and they don't need to like, you know, uh, they don't feel like they made the wrong decision and have to transfer. Uh, that more kids go to college because they feel like it's more accessible. Um, And so I think that what's making me excited about the future is that if we can use these tools, if we can use our interest in making the lives of kids better, we're going to hopefully build out an infrastructure that allows these parents and students to make better decisions and to also, you know, live better lives. Uh, And so my hope is that Visitees can uh, play a small part piece in, in, in that in that future yeah absolutely um it, it is very exciting stuff and it does feel like there's some momentum kind of uh kind of gearing up here and yeah because i think you know there's there's you know just that period of time where institutions could kind of just build it and they will come and kind of rest on their laurels and everything and now i think it, it's to everyone's benefit that prospective students will be more informed about their choices and make better choices and you know institutions just need to be kind of figuring out their their value add for students and making that clear and making themselves accessible and yeah just kind of continuing to improve you know the way that they uh, support students to stay uh, competitive and everything so yeah all all good stuff but uh, as we wrap up we also like to give an opportunity uh, if you have any resources uh, to share on this topic whether they're your own or uh, others um, yeah any books articles podcasts etc uh, stuff that you'd want to uh, give it a tip of the hat too, so we can put it in the show notes. Yeah, I mean, I think the I, I love this podcast. <laughs> I'm going to give you a little plug. I think that the, you've you done a, you. a really incredible job of of putting this uh, putting this together. So, what I think when I think about the the content that I'm consuming and whatnot, I think there's a whole bunch of different um, you know sources that I've been looking at. But primarily, my focus and my emphasis has been on really talking to and listening to the market itself. So my biggest source of understanding how this market is moving and shaking uh, is talking to the college counselors. It's talking to the universities uh, and hearing directly from them, their experiences, and actually just also talking to the parents and students uh, that are going through this journey. Because I think the true source of what's happening is happening on the field. um, And that's where my ear uh, tries to be most of the time. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense and certainly just good advice generally for people is like, you know, if you're not finding like what you're looking for out there in terms of like uh, content, then, uh, you know, try to just get one-on-one uh, calls set up with people, do focus groups or something, because I think that is it's such unique and valuable insights that you can get uh, that could be very hard to get elsewhere because other stuff just might feel, you know, uh, not directly applicable. Like if you're just maybe working in a unique context or something, but um yeah, I mean, even even just like with my colleagues that I work with every day, just being like, "Hey, can we like chat about the, you know, just kind of just have a little like jam session?" And it's it's always just really good to kind of riff on stuff and uh, all that. So um, yeah, take that as you will, uh, listeners. Uh, good uh, good advice there for um, getting what you need uh, in terms of resources. But um, yeah, we will end as we always do. Though I feel like we've kind of hit on some great kind of uh, calls to action and thoughts here, but. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give you the floor for any final thought or call to action to end this episode. Uh, yeah, so go ahead. I want to first thank you uh, for having me. I really appreciate uh, having a moment to to talk a little bit about Visit Days and what we're doing into the future. As a, far, as a final thought, uh, you know, my real final thought is that we're in an incredible moment in history where we have this opportunity to rewire in, you know, the higher ed ecosystem that's been you know, hard to rewire for for decades, right? Um, and in this moment, w- my hope is that we're able to use technology, but most importantly, use ourselves to make higher education more accessible and easier to attain across this country. Uh, and I think if we do that, we will start seeing one significant shift, which is that parents and students will see higher education for what it is, which is an enabler to grow as individuals, but also to really be better citizens. Um, And I hope that going into the future, this shift in thinking of whether higher ed college is worth it or not worth it is not a question that parents and students are asking. Um, I hope that we have made college more affordable, more accessible, and in doing so, making more students uh, enter into higher education and make this country uh, a better place. And it's a beautiful place to end things. I completely agree. And uh, yeah, we'll have ways to connect with you and the work that you're doing uh, in the show notes. But uh, yeah, just thank you so much for uh, for coming on and sharing all that you did. And uh, this is always great stuff to, to talk about because I think it's uh, it's a little bit out of my wheelhouse of like sort of the admission side of the house, but uh, it's so important to continue to kind of focus in on it, uh, you know, for my own sake and for uh, everyone else's. And um, yeah, it's a great conversation. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Dustin. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening. And we'll see you in the next episode of the Higher Ed Geek podcast.